to Pleasant View Baptist Church. My name is Danny Payne. I'm the lead pastor here at Pleasant View. And today we look a little different. Uh, we are online exclusively right now and we welcome you uh, where, wherever you may be. You may be in your car, you may be at home, uh, you may be traveling somewhere and be just listening. And so we are so glad that you're part of us this morning. Uh, we hope that this time is meaningful. Uh, there'll be opportunities for you to connect with us if you have questions or if we can pray for you. Uh, we want to really hope, we really hope that this is a meaningful time of worship for you. And we recognize that worship at home looks a little different, but our God is a work. We worship him everywhere. The building does not make the church. And so we hope that this time is uh, enjoyable. We hope this time is worshipful and we hope the scriptures and the music point you back to him because he is our living hope. I pray that this time is meaningful. Welcome Pleasant View Baptist Church family. I know you're watching online today and I am so excited to share this time with you. A couple things. I want you to know that we are doing everything we can to make this season of our church life as meaningful as possible as you are worshiping at home. And so one of the things I want you to know for certain is that uh, the Word of God will be featured. Jesus is our foundation, and I am wearing wacky socks for you. So just keep that in mind um, because that's one of the things I want to keep consistent in our, our journey together. And so worshiping at home is a little different for all of us. It looks a little different. But if you think back to the early church, they didn't have a building to land in from Sunday to Sunday. And so we're giving you an opportunity to worship at home as we kind of navigate this, this current season of life. And I hope that this time is meaningful. I, I pray that you give time to this through prayer, through the reading of the Word. And we, we, we trust that this is going to be a good season for us and we're going to be better for it. One of the things that we have noticed already after just one Sunday is the number of people who've watched us online that did not have any connection with this church. And so that right there is a win for the kingdom, that there we've got people being exposed to the gospel who may not come to our church, who may not know anything about this Jesus, but they listened online, especially in light of where we are. So here's what I want to do. I want you to turn to your Bibles. We're going to be in 1 Peter 3, starting in chapter 8. And so I think this is going to be a great day for us as we look at how Jesus is our foundation when life is so upside down and so uncertain and, and you're just wondering what the next thing is, that He is our calm in the midst. So let's look at these things. Let me remind you of a few things. From the very beginning, when we started walking through First Peter, Peter set the bar for what we're expected to live for and, and the, what Jesus was about. And he said this. He said, but as the one who is the, the one who's called you is holy, you are also to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So Peter's showing us how Jesus sets the bar that holiness is the, is the baseline for how we are to live our lives for everything. And then the next week, we looked at how Peter builds on that. And I love what he said. This is out of 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, and it says this. But you are a, ch a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so he takes the word 
holy and adds holy priesthood so that you, your relationship was personal. You take it with you when you leave the church and you take it to your workplaces, the places you frequent, and you have this opportunity to reflect, reflect Christ wherever you are. And that is so important when you think about your, your relationship with Him, that your people are seeing Jesus when they see you. And so he says it's not just a Sunday thing, it's a life thing. And then we added another layer last week. Because he says, be holy, for I am holy, you're a holy priesthood. And then he talks about this idea of holiness to submitting to one another in marriage. That the essence of who you are in Christ is how you submit to one another in marriage. He talks about wives being submissive to their husbands and husbands honoring their wives. Well, let me help you out there. Holiness happens, when holiness happens, you treat your wife well, and your wife will follow, follow your leadership, and that's a beautiful thing. The other thing I'll tell you is this. Holiness, holiness brings us to calm. Holiness brings us to calm. It points us to calm. It gives us a reassurance because the deeper our relationship with Christ is, even in all the uncertainty and all the what-ifs and we're not sure's, is you can find rest, you can find security, you can find hope that Jesus is your foundation in this moment. And that is so important because holiness happens when you know who God is and that gives you assurance, that gives you peace, that gives you comfort. And so I hope you'll know that. And so really what we're going to look at today is some things that the outflow of holiness for the church is really important. And so we're going to look at that today and I hope that that um, will build on this idea of holiness for all of us as we live our lives right now where we are. So let's take a look. We're going to be in 1 Peter 3, starting in verse 8. So let's take a look. It says, finally, he's added all the other things together, and he says, Peter says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And so let's take a look at those things for just a second because when he addresses those things, he's talking about the church, that the church needs to do these things really well. And it's not just in this current season, it's all the time. This is how we should be. This is, when the church is doing these things, man, we, we reflect Jesus well. Holiness is magnified because it's not us, it's what he's doing through us. So let's look at, look at these for a second. He talks about unity, and I, I, here's what I wrote down because I think this is so important. Unity, when it's working at its best, says this, singular focus to spread the gospel. When we have a singular focus to make sure that Jesus is preeminent, that Jesus is made known in our lives, people see it. And right now in our current culture, People need to see Jesus. People need to see that Jesus can be the calm. Jesus can be their hope. Jesus can be their rescue. Jesus can be their foundation. And so the singular focus of the church is to do that. And, and I said to you a few minutes ago, there's something beautiful about a church that is currently online, and we have more viewers watching that aren't a part of this church. And we have the opportunity to point them back to Jesus. And I am excited about that. The second thing he says was sympathy, to be aware of needs and meet them. In our current culture, our current season, what we've got 
we need to see the needs and meet the needs. And we may have to get creative in how we do that. If somebody, if somebody has a need of food or supplies or they just need somebody to pray with or somebody to talk to, we've got to come up with creative ways to do that. I delivered some pizzas this week just because. No, no big deal, just because. We've had people saying, I'm going to go check on so-and-so. I'm going to be praying for so-and-so. I'm going to adopt somebody so I can just kind of keep an eye on them while we're in this current season of not being able to corporately meet. That is the church. That is a beautiful thing, and that reflects holiness. The other thing he says is brotherly love, and I wrote right, right in big, bold letters, love the church. Love the church. Love the church. You're going to see people. You're going to talk to people. Love the church. And this is not only in this climate, but all the time. We should love the church because God has given us this group of people that we share life with, that we walk with, and more people come into our family, and our family gets bigger. It's a beautiful thing. Love the church. Help the church be the church. And one of the ways we're doing that is by meeting needs. The other thing he said was be tender. We're moved by the hurts, the pain, the needs, and the joys of others. We're moved, not, I'm so sorry that's happening. It actually, in your heart, you're like, I feel your job situation. You can't find a job, or your job has, has gone away in our current situation. You feel that. You feel what they're going through. You don't, don't, you're not dismissive about it. Somebody who's going through a hard season of loneliness or isolation, you feel that, and, that's, and that just lets them know that you really care. And here we are needing to do those things. And I'll remind our church, this should not change after this goes away. We should keep doing these things. This is the church. This is what we're supposed to be. Just because somebody doesn't show up at church after we start convening again doesn't mean that we shouldn't reach out. This should be an awareness, an alarm that says, the church is at its best when we're reaching out and connecting and bringing people in. And the holiness is magnified and God is glorified when we're doing those things. And so we see this idea that we're moved. And also in the joy of things. Not everything that's happening right now is doom and gloom. I see people doing wonderful things. People still getting married. People are still having babies. We're still seeing beautiful things happen. We're seeing people more receptive to the gospel and who Jesus is. We're seeing people giving away stuff. We're seeing people going and meeting random needs and random acts of kindness. We're seeing people give crazy tips in restaurants because they know the workers aren't making as much as they used to. We see healthcare workers giving countless hours, and, uh, and the list goes on and on and on. And I say that to you because... In all the crazy and all the uncertainty, make sure that you see some of the beautiful things that are going on because sometimes they get lost because they are. And some of them are pretty small, okay? But God has wants you to have an awareness of that so you see those things. And I want to read this, uh, I want to read this final thing to you. The more humble, uh, the more you think about humility, the less humble you become. The important thing for all of us is not, am I being humble enough, is don't think about it. Just be, do. Don't measure yourself against anybody else because the humility in our hearts grows not about us thinking about it more, but about just doing and being, not measuring it against anything. The humbleness of meeting needs, the humbleness of saying, God, thank you that I have these things, not taking them for granted. The other thing I'll say too is perspective is always a good thing. 
I've got friends that are dealing with far worse things than what some of us are currently dealing with. Far worse things. And so perspective helps us to kind of balance out the uncertainties and, and all those sorts of things. And so I, I remind you of that. And I love what uh, uh, Frank Labosch said. And he said this. He says, when iron is rubbed against a magnet, it becomes magnetic. Just so, love is caught, not taught. One heart burning with love sets another on fire. The church was built on love. It proves what love can do. So folks, when we stick together, when we say we're going to make sure we're connecting to our church family and to anybody else, love is caught, not taught. And holiness is magnified through us. What Christ is doing within us individually, it is magnified to the world around us because they see that people representing Christ actually care, actually are walking along their brothers and sisters within the church and then outward to the community around us. And so he, he builds on that. He sets the table with verse 8, and then we plow into verse 9 now. So we're going to read a little bit, so follow along with me. Verse 9 says this. It says, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for the, bless for the, to these that you've been called, that you may ob- obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love and see good days, let him keep his tongue for the evil in his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. And it's important because we are to do our best in a current climate that we're in. Boy, people want to they, they want to panic. They want to debate the protocols. They want to question leaders. They want to question why this and why not that. We ought to be trying to build unity. We ought to be trying to seek peace. We ought to be trying to, instead of making the fire bigger, we ought to be trying to tap it out. And I love what it says here. Go back. Go back and you see verse 12. Look at what it says. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. That right there tells you that God is present, folks. God is present in this situation. He is not off distantly looking at something else. He is aware. He's not caught off guard. And he is in your midst saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. I hear you. I hear you. So that's important. He says, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And so we have this opportunity. We have this opportunity, and it's this. We are called to live in a way that gives evidence that we are who we say we are. The evidence is holiness. Holiness looks like Jesus. It reflects His character to the world around us. It isn't fearful. It isn't timid. It is saying, we're going to get through this current season because of the foundation of who we rest in, and I, that gives us confidence that, yes, it may change and things may add and may come and go, but I've seen throughout the, the centuries godly men, and, godly men and godly women who stayed above the fray and, and were the calm before this, around the storm, and other people were, were attracted to that because they were calm. They had peace, and they were they people wanted to know what is it that you've got that I apparently don't have. 
And so it's so important for us that we are who we say we are, that people see us and they see this Jesus in us, and it, it's, it's contagious, for lack of a better term, where we are. Because look at what Jesus said to his disciples in verse 13, or chapter 13, 34 and 35. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. For I have loved you, so you must love one another. And verse 35 is awesome. It says this. It says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so the outflow of saying you're part of our church is to say I'm committed to loving one another and the outflow of that is because of what Christ has been doing in my life and then people see it and people get excited and we bring the hope that everybody's hoping for, the, the stillness. And when we're resting in Christ, holiness grows and that grows our confidence in who He is. And so let's keep reading because we've got more to cover. Verse 13 says this. It says, now who, who, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteous sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ, the, God, the Lord, as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks, for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. What an opportunity, church family. There are going to be people that you're going to encounter. They're going to go, what is it about you? What, why are you so calm? Why are you so assured? Why are you so at ease? Why are you not stressing out and, and panicking and freaking out? It's because you have the answer. It's Jesus. Your hope is in Jesus, not in what you can do, not in if the stock market rebounds or jobs come back. All of that is temporary. What he is saying is if your hope is in Christ, it's enough. And all the other things that you're looking for and holding on to will give you the peace that you need, will give you the security. And so that you'll be able to answer people with some gentleness not with harshness, with some respect and say, hey, you've got questions. I would love to talk to you. I would love to be able to give you and share with you why I can handle this right now. And it's certainly hard for us. And it's funny because I can bounce back and forth, but God just keeps bringing me back to that assurance and that hope. And that He keeps my focus on Him. Because you can listen to enough news, you can listen to enough opinions, you can scroll social media, but at the end of the day, what are you going to rest in? What are you going to find your hope in? And I think that's really important for us, is that is your hope in Christ? Is your hope in Christ? And he says, so be prepared to give an answer because, folks, again, this is an opportunity for us. This is an opportunity for us to bring the Jesus that everybody's been wondering about to them by answering their questions, by knowing what you believe and why you believe it. What has Jesus done in your life? And you're saying, I can share that with people. Let me just help you out. That'll preach, okay? People need to know, and people are going to want to know. And the avenue is, is, is there for any of us to help people. And as the holiness in you grows, and that is Christ growing within you, and that only happens by the, the amount of time you spend 
constantly digging into the Word, praying, seeking God's wisdom, hell, asking God for opportunities. You're going to say, well, Danny, I'm home a lot. You got people that you know, and you got a phone. Call them. Text them. Send them a note or something. Do that. This is verse 16 says this. It says, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if the, the, doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. He says, God is telling that church, one of the things Peter was telling the church is, even if you're persecuted, even if you take some heat for who you are in Christ, it's better. And he was trying to prepare that church in that climate because in that climate, it makes today for us look like a field trip. Their culture, what they were under, the oppression that they were under was not anything like we could have imagined because being a Christian in that day, it would cost you your life. And so he's talking about even if, even if, remember your hope. Lean in on your hope. And I love, I wrote this down, and I hope this, help, this is helpful for you. Hope fuels us in the midst of pain, persecution, and uncertainty. That is something you ought to write down. You ought to put it on your refrigerator. You ought to read it, memorize it, because hope is the truth that Jesus is who He said He is. He did what He said He would do, and you can rest in that. And that builds your holiness because you know that, you experience that, and the holiness is then reflected to the world because of what Christ is doing within you and what you're finding your comfort and strength in, okay? Verse 18, it's interesting because this, this 18 through 22 is a very interesting set of passages because it, they've been debated and talked about because what is Jesus doing here? And so I want to read this to you, and let's take a look at it and see if we can if we can glean some, uh, some truths out of that. So let's take a look at this as we finish this out. It says this. It says, for, <coughs> excuse me, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring them to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirits. So one of the things that, that this is important is, is that Jesus died for people who would choose Him and people who would potentially reject Him. What he's saying is, I died for all, but you've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to receive me. You've got to receive me as your Lord and Savior. And so he died for those who would, and he died for those who wouldn't, which is amazing, and it, it demonstrates his love for us. And so you see that when you ever to see the word spirit, he's talking about evil spirits, not the, a person, because typically in the Bible, the spirit was an evil spirit, but when they were talking about a person, they would often use the word soul. And so verse 19 says this, it said, in which he went and proclaimed victory to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited for the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, and then the eight persons who brought safely from the water. And so he is saying that he went to those, if you see that in verse 19, he said he went and proclaimed victory to the spirits in prison. Those would be the evil spirits, the, the demons the angels, the angels who had fallen, who rejected and were disobedient. And you know what he's saying? You're on the wrong side of eternity. He's saying not in a gloating way. He is saying you chose poorly. He is saying you should have thought about this because you're on the wrong team. 
you've chosen to be a part of something that is against everything that I'm about. And he shows them and demonstrates to them that, that they thought that they had won by putting him on the cross. And he is showing them that you lost because of he is a risen Savior and a living Savior. And so he was proclaiming to them, you're on the wrong side of eternity. And so he reminds them of that. And so well, let's keep reading because it says, verse 8, verse 21 says this, baptism, and, I, and I, in parentheses I put this next to baptism. Baptism points to rescue and being united with Christ. Baptism is a beautiful thing. We did a baptism, two baptisms last week, and baptism is an outward symbol of an inward change. It is evidence of what Christ is doing. It is the journey of holiness that we begin long before, when we give our heart to God, holiness begins. And hopefully we start to look more like Jesus over the years that we're following Him. And so baptism is a beautiful thing because it reflects what's been done for us. Points to a rescue and being united with Christ, which corresponds to this now, saving us not by not as removal of dirt from the body, but as a as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Christ. It says that what Jesus is doing within us is, is a beautiful thing, and it is a, a public thing. Baptism in a church is a public thing. People see it, people celebrate it. And when we did baptism last week, people clapped because we recognized that these children were acknowledging Jesus as Savior and Lord and were wanting everybody to be a part of it. We're wanting everybody to help them. We're wanting to see that this is serious. And so whenever baptism takes place, it is very public because it's about our relationship. Our relationship with Christ is personal, but it's not private. It's a personal relationship, but it is not a private life. We live our lives out in front of everybody, and we have the opportunity to reflect that to the people around us. I went out to a restaurant last uh, a couple days ago, and I'm my church family. You guys know me pretty well. I'm a I'm an extrovert, probably to the max, and I, I'm not. I'm adjusting to this social distancing thing. And I went to a restaurant, met somebody from church, and you know, I didn't, somebody told, somebody there told me I was too close. And I didn't respond very well. I didn't. Because it caught me off guard, and I was thinking we were distanced enough, and this person didn't think we were. And so they kind of told me so. And, and I, I thought, man, I missed an opportunity, because when people are afraid or uncertain, I didn't reflect holiness in that moment very well at all. And I, the more since that has passed over the last few days, I thought, man, I really missed an opportunity to squelch some fears that that person had. Instead, I just kind of fueled it. And I, I look back on that now and wished I'd have handled that a whole lot better. And so when you think about your relationship with Christ, holiness is not when it's easy. It's days like today. It's our current culture. Holiness is easy when life is grand and smooth and there's no bumps in the road and you can find toilet paper and hand sanitizer. But when you can't find those things and people are pushing and shoving for food and you can't really talk to anybody and you've got to keep a distance from people and you can't come to church like you're used to, uh, that is, is kind of where holiness is revealed. What's your relationship with Christ like? Is it resting in Him? Or is it spending more time complaining about all the things you can and can't do? And so it's important that we recognize that, folks. It really is.
Jesus' resurrection points us to our rescue and being united with him. We need him because we can't rescue ourselves. What Jesus did for us gives us hope. It also reminds us that what he did, we can't do. And I've told you that lots of times, but I think sometimes we still think I can help Jesus in my faith journey. No, the best thing you can do is surrender and be quiet. <laughs> because he needs you to not get in the way. Allow him to do what he does best. Allow him to shape you. Allow him to reveal blind spots. Allow him to, to do things that you think you could do. Some of you in this current season are going to be able to do things and reach out to people that you never thought you would do. You're going to have opportunities to have conversations with neighbors and coworkers and family members and other friends that are more receptive to Jesus right now and to spiritual things. And here you go. You got a chance. But I'll tell you what. You're going to have more confidence in sharing Jesus to them the closer you are to him. Because the last thing I want you to do is go, oh, uh, yeah, that, yeah, it is crazy out there. Boy, I hope we figure it out. Man, we, what an opportunity. Somebody comes and talks to you, pray for them, pray with them, talk to them. Give them the hope that everybody out there might be seeking, okay? Suffering and pain and death, I love this. Suffering, pain, and death don't have the last word. All of this stuff doesn't have the last word. Jesus has the last word. He says, I am it. I am the Savior. I am the hope of the world. And if you rest in me and you find your hope in me, even if it goes crazier, even if you get more uncertainty, you're like, I don't know what we're going to do about this or how we're going to plan for that. Jesus is the calm in the storm. If you remember the hurricane analogy, the hurricane, all hurricanes have an eye. And inside the eye, it is calm. And that's where you'll find Jesus. Even though the storms are raging around us and there's all kinds of uncertainty, keep yourself in the eye. That is where Jesus is. Because as soon as you get out beyond that, you don't see him, you don't experience him, you don't, you don't see, you don't, you, you start to not trust that he is who he is. And so then your holiness starts to wane and you start to be a bit uncertain and you start to get more inward focused and not outward focused. And man, we miss opportunities. And so he's talking about that. What Jesus is saying is, guys, the resurrection tells you death did not have the last word. I do. That's why he goes and tells the spirits, guys, you were on the wrong side of eternity. You chose poorly. And he's saying to us, Peter is telling us that Jesus has the final word. Even if all of this goes like it is, where we're headed is, is, is pretty awesome. It's called heaven, and, it, and that is the presence of Jesus. That's awesome. And we worship a living Savior. We worship a living Savior, not a dead Savior, not a distant Savior, because He tells us that He is with us. He tells us to trust Him. He tells us to lean in on Him. He tells us to breathe, to be still, and know that I'm God. And I pray that as you watch this today, that you will do that, that you will rest in that, and that even if it's crazy and you're uncertain and you feel like, how can this get, how can I get through this? Let me just tell you that the oppression that the disciples were feeling was unbelievable. People were trying to tell them to stop. People were saying, we need to, because that little, that little band of, of movement was called the way. 
And they were trying to squelch the way because it was this little band of church folks who loved Jesus and were trying to proclaim Jesus. And so how do we know that what Jesus is talking about, that your hope rests in Him, that His foundation is Him, and, how, and that holiness is magnified? How do we know it actually works? Can I show you a verse? Can I show you a verse? First Peter, excuse me, Acts 4.13. Because it's about Peter and some of the other disciples. I love this. It says, When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And I love the word. It says this, And they recognized, they recognized that they had been with Jesus. See, when you've been with Jesus, people know. And that's how holiness grows. It's because the more you're with Jesus, the more holiness grows, the more your hope grows, the more you find rest, security, comfort. Your uncertainty may not go fully away, but it, it goes, okay, we're going we're gonna to get this. I love what one of our pastors said, because we were talking about all the changes that happened this week, and he said something I think is so poetic in this current culture. We'll figure it out. You know what? When you're walking through what we're currently walking through, when you're resting in Jesus, you know what you say? We'll figure it out because we've got, we've got the Savior of the world to help us accomplish that. And that is so peaceful to me personally. Do I have moments where I feel the weight of all the decisions we've had to make this week? Yes, I do. do I, there, are there moments that I think, man, have we made the right decisions? Sure. Do I feel the weight of people who now have to homeschool their kids or their jobs got furloughed or their jobs just simply went away or it's more challenging to find their meds or they're more concerned about their spouse because they're more susceptible to uh, sickness? Yes. Do I miss the fact that I can't see my church family from week to week? Yes. But we're going to figure that out. And we're going to do our absolute best to reflect Jesus to the world around us because when they see that we have been with Jesus, they're going to know. And the more we grow in our relationship with Christ, we have the opportunity to be hope to the world, to the people around us. We have the opportunity to be the calm in somebody else's storm, okay? We do. But that requires some intentionality on our part. It requires us being aware. Go back to verse 8 and just read that. And you'll see that there's, there's a nice little thing there that says, this is how we ought to be, folks. And that's how holiness starts to be magnified to the world around us. So my prayer for you today is that you will allow God to shape you that you will rest in Him. Some of you have more time now than you've ever had here recently. I, I've been doing this a long time, and I, I hear more and more people say, man, I, I don't have any margin in my life. Take the margin that's been given to you and don't sulk about it, don't complain about it. Immerse yourself in the Word of God. Pray. Journal. Connect with people. We can still do some of those things. And see what Christ does through you as you do those things. So let me pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege to stand before uh, my church family, but more importantly, before you. 
And God, I thank you for giving your son for us to bridge a gap that I could not bridge on my own. I thank you, Father, for your son and giving me hope, assurance, peace, to give me a foundation when I faced moments like this that I could stand and rest upon that knowing it would not crumble because what he has done and where he sits right now. I thank you, Father, that I have a a personal Father who walks with us through these seasons of life that is with us and hears us And I thank you for those promises. And I pray, Father, that our church family and all of those who are listening would know the hope of the world is Jesus. And they can find rest and hope in that. And if they have questions on how to do that, God, I pray that they would uh, seek answers to that. I thank you, Father, for just this season because even though we want to whine and complain and worry, there are opportunities to bring the gospel to a group of people or a whole bunch of people that maybe wouldn't be open to it, and I don't want to miss that. I pray that our church takes care of each other well. I pray that when people see us, they will know that we have been with you. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. We have looked through Scripture, and we've pointed to a risen Savior who is for us and is present with us, and I Something he is making us painfully aware of is one big, there are two big questions I want to ask you today. Is, are you going to be on the right side of eternity? And that means, are you going to be with him? Because that is one of the most important questions we are asking you today is, are you going to be on the right side of eternity? The second thing is this, is you can't not answer that question. You can't run from it. You can't hide from it. And Jesus did something for you and for me that no one else has done. He died for me out of love, out of making a connection for us to eternal life with him. And he did that through the what we call the cross. And I pray that you, you've got to answer those two questions is where will you spend eternity? And you really can't outrun it. So where, where are you going to go for the message of hope? Because it's only found in Jesus. And we want to help you with that. And there's a simple way to do that. Below me is a texting number that you can text and one of our pastors will be in contact with you to help you take the most significant step you'll ever take in your life and that's to begin a relationship with Christ as that he is the the savior of your your life and he becomes the centerpiece of your faith and, and everything that you're about. And we would be so excited to help you with that.